Hear the word of God from Colossians chapter 1, verses 21 through 23. This reading comes from the Common English Bible. You can find the New Revised Standard Version of this reading on page 956 in the Pew Bible. Once you were alienated from God, and you were enemies with him in your minds, which was shown by your evil actions. But now he has reconciled you by his physical body through death to present you before God as a people who are holy, faultless, and without blame. But you need to remain well-established and rooted in faith and not shift away from the hope given in the good news that you heard. This message has been preached throughout all creation under heaven. And I, Paul, became a servant of this good news. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. That word from Colossians is a reminder to us of one of the important things that we know about God, that God desires to be in a relationship with us. That, of course, is not the only thing we know about God. We also know that God is loving and that God is powerful and that God is holy and that God is just, but none of those other things are the very first thing that we learn about God. All the way back in the book of Genesis, back when God created all things and breathed into life the very first human beings, the very first thing we discover about God is that God wants to be in a relationship with you and with me. It is wired into the very DNA of God that God is a relational God who wants to be deeply connected with all of God's creation, including little old you and little old me. And by the way, it goes both ways. Because if, if we are created in God's image, that also means that we have a longing to be in a relationship with that very same God. That we want to be part of something grander and bigger than our own selves. We, we don't want to feel alone. We don't want to feel isolated. We want to feel connected and in relationship with all other people and with God. Now, that, that realization has come to most of us at, at various points in our lives. For some of us, that, that first inkling of the existence of God and our desire to be part of who God is came when we were very young, just like these kids who waved their palm fronds before us. For many of us, we first learned about God when we were younger. It's part of the church. There are also some of us who came to that realization, that longing, when we were older, as young adults or middle age, when we started to wonder whether there was something greater than ourselves out there, a first glimpse of a higher power came that way for me when I was just a young adult. Having grown up in the church, there was a moment when I was a freshman in college at, at Eckerd College in St. Petersburg, standing all alone at a little point right there in the marina. As I stood up and looked into the night sky and began to wonder, who am I? What's my, 
What's my purpose and contribution to this world? As I looked up into the starry skies, I thought, really, is there a God out there? This God that I'd learned about since I was a child. Where is that God? Who is that God? Truth be told, there are some of us who are wrestling with that question even right now. You may have grown up for your entire life skeptical or doubtful about the possibility of God in your life. And it's even only until recently that you begin to open up to the possibility that God exists and that you can actually have a relationship with that God. Regardless of where your lot in life is this morning, I think it's fair to say, universally so, that God and human beings are wired to be in a relationship with each other. However, Longing to be in a relationship and actually living into that relationship can feel like two very different things because the reality is, I think for most of us, if not all of us, there isn't a single person here who feels like we are as close to God as we could be or should be. That, that for many of us, we feel like God is way out there and here we are left to our lonesome and we'd like to believe in that God, but in this moment of our lives, God feels so far away that God feels so small, it's almost like we can't see God at all. If you will, it's like we're standing on one side of the river and the river is wide and the chasm is, is deep and God's on the other side and we just can't get close to who God is. It's like that story of those two men who were standing on opposite sides of the river. And the one guy standing on one bank sees the fellow on the other side and says, hey, how can I get to the other side? And the fellow on the opposite bank says back, you are on the other side. <laughs> and it, it might be that that's your relationship with God this morning. God's out there, you're over here, and you just want to figure out how to get over there. And you've tried everything. You've tried to build a bridge. You've tried to hire a boat. You've tried to swim. But nothing you can do gets you close to living into that relationship with God that you are longing for. And that may be the best way to characterize some of us here this morning. That river seems really wide. The suffering in your life, the, the doubts and the skepticism that's been plaguing you, the shadowy parts of your soul that's just hard to acknowledge, make it feel like God is way out there and you are over here and that river is wide. Now I know that that's not all of you. There are some of us here this morning that if we were to do an honest assessment of our status of our faith today, we might say, you know, God and I don't seem so far apart. We we feel like we're okay. In fact, it could be that by virtue of you even being here this morning suggests that you and God are at least on speaking terms. But if you look really deep in your life, all of us would acknowledge that there's at least a sense in which we are not as close to God as we could be or should be. There's still a longing there. And, and whether that broken relationship is wide or even just a sliver, all of us can be closer to God right now than we actually are. And here's the thing. The Bible knows it. 
The Bible knows that there's not a single person who is as close to God as they could be or should be. All of us have at least one thing, if not many things, that separate us from God, and the Bible has a word for that. The Bible knows what it is that separates us from God. It's, it's sin. That's what separates us. And for some of us who feel like there's a wide gulf between us and God, we know and that we can easily name the big sins, the big stuff that we've been carrying, the big problems that we've been lugging all throughout our life. But even for those of us who feel relatively okay on April 9th, 2017, we can all admit there are sins in our lives. And sometimes it's not the big sins that are the problem. Sometimes the biggest problem are those little ones, those subtle, sneaky, shadowy sins that sort of lurk within the recesses of our soul that are too widely ignored because we'd like to believe that everything is okay, but the reality is all of us have them. It's the small ones, the inconspicuous sins that are hard to spot, let alone confess. Last June... I decided to give a special gift to my dad for Father's Day. He retired last year from his job of over 40 years and decided he would spend a lot of his free time catching up on one of his favorite lifelong pastimes, just to do a lot more fishing. Over the years, my dad had collected quite an impressive array of dusty, junky fishing poles from countless Saturday morning garage sale excursions. So I decided to do what I thought was a nice thing and buy my and bought all the stuff I thought would be great to give him for Father's Day. Brand new rod, brand new reel, brand new fishing line, all of the tackle and all of the attachments, and of course the hooks. So happy to give it to him. The first thing I did was I went home back to my house to put all of it together so that I could just give him a complete new put-together set so that he could go fishing right away. I went into my bedroom. There's a comfortable chair sitting in my room. So I sat down with all of these parts and proceeded to put them together. I took the rod, attached the reel to it, opened the new line and strung it through the little eyelets, attached it to the reel and started to bring all the line together put all the little doohickeys and doodads at the end of the line like you're supposed to, and then I proceeded to put on the last piece, which was the hook. Now, I, I, I put on countless hooks in my life. I don't want you to think, based on this story, that I had no idea what I was doing. However, you will still come to the conclusion that I had no idea what I was doing. I will also say that I've learned over the years fishing with my dad that for some reason or another, he really prefers the small hooks, like the smallest hooks possible. So there I was, sitting in my chair with everything put together except for the end of the line, the end of the hook. I got it through and proceeded to do what you're supposed to do, looping it this way and that way. In the process, of course, in order to get the hook close enough and the line close enough to my eye... Don't freak out. It doesn't go into my eye. I had to bend the end of the pole close to me to get everything right up close. And before I had a chance 
to pull that final piece of line and secure the knot, the tension at the end of the rod flung back straight. Now, I, I, I want to rest assured for you, I, I did not get the hook jabbed in any part of my body. I did not cut myself with the line. I do want to say, however, that what actually happened is worse than either of those two things. Because at that very moment, with the hook flying out of my hand, it loosened itself from the end of the line and started to sail into the air across the room. And there it landed, wherever it was. I should also add at this very moment that also in my room were several piles of clean laundry that were waiting to be folded, which was next on my list after I put the pole together. I should also say that at that very moment, our dog decided to come right into the room, bounded into the room full of happiness and joy, which made me then leap to my feet and shoo the dog out the room. Began to look for that hook. Looked for a good hour, couldn't find it. I then went over to the schools to pick up the girls who were just getting out of school. And as after I picked them up and pulled into the garage and walked into the house with them, I said rather glumly, girls, don't go into my bedroom. They asked why. I told them why. And then they gave me that look that teenage girls always give their dads. Only you, Dad. And they turned around and walked away. <laughs> Spent the better part of that night wearing shoes in my bedroom. <laughs> Folded every single bit of laundry in that room. Couldn't find it. I spent the entire weekend looking under every bit of furniture. Looking in, in every little thread of carpet, which was not very high of a shag, but happened to be the exact same color of carpet as that hook, as it turns out. I slept in the living room that night. Because <laughs> as much as I wanted to find that hook, I did not want to find it at 3.30 in the morning. But no matter what I did for hour after hour, I could not find that hook. And I felt separated. That, that's, that's the best way I could describe it. I felt separated. Separated from the kind of weekend that I really wanted to have. <laughs> separated from the kind of life that I really wanted to live. Separated from my normal routine. Everything about me got disrupted because of the tiniest, most inconspicuous little thing that I could not find and that I could not remove. And so it was that 2,000 years ago, a crowd had gathered at the gates of the capital city of Jerusalem, and they too recognized that they were separated. Separated from God, separated from the kind of life that they knew they could and should live, and they knew that there was a whole host of reasons why their life was messed up and wrong and backwards. If you will, they knew they had a lot of hooks in them. 
And so they did the only thing they knew to do as Jesus was marching through those city streets with palm fronds in their hands as they were laying out linens in the main city street. They were calling out, Hosanna, which in Aramaic means, Lord, save us, which in modern English also means, help us find this hook, God. We, we are hooked. and We can't find this hook and we need you to help us remove it. I finally found the hook, by the way. The story does... Oh, stop. Thank you, thank you, thank you. That's the... Thank you, young person. It's exactly the kind of thing my teenage daughters would do right there. Way to go, good dear dad. I found the hook, finally. It happened after a long weekend... Where after hours and hours of searching, out of sheer exhaustion, I went back to my bedroom, went back to that same comfy chair where this whole silly mess had started, and I just flopped into this chair out of sheer fatigue, closed my eyes, took a deep breath, I tilted my head toward the ceiling as if to say, I give up. Just, just hook me now, little hook. I mean... At least I'll see where you are. Go ahead. Just hook me. I gave up. I fully surrendered. <laughs> and it was at that moment. It was at that moment that I opened my eyes. And there, sitting in the middle of the carpet, in a place where I swear I had checked for hours and hours before, glistening in the sun as if to taunt me and tease me, was that silly little hook, which I have since kept somewhere in my dresser, but now I can't find it. Because <laughs> I thought I really should bring this hook in as a sermon illustration this morning, but it's, it's even more poignant that I've lost it again. <laughs> because the real point is this, we can't find these hooks on our own. <laughs> we can only find it through surrender, through obedience. And it's only then, as Colossians says, that this God can do all the reconciling and all of the repairing of this wide, vast gulf. You know, we've, we've gone through this series now. This is week six, and we've discovered six different, different, six different definitions of sin all of them very different, but all of them singularly the same. That we cannot pay the price for our sins. That we cannot secure our own freedom. That we cannot cleanse the stain of our sins. That we cannot appease God's sense of justice. That we cannot earn God's love. And today, we cannot bridge the gap to repair our relationship with God. That only happens because of this week. Because of what Jesus did on the cross. And because of what God did on the empty tomb. And it only happens. We can only experience it when we finally flop down in exhaustion and call out, Hosanna. Lord, help us find this hook. I surrender. 
And that's how we're going to conclude this sermon. And that's how we're going to enter this Holy Week with a prayer of confession. It'll be a moment of silence for you to spend some time confessing all of the hooks that have festered within your life. It's going to be preceded by these words of confession that will be on the screen that I'll invite you to join in unison. And then there will be this time for you to confess and then to hear the words of assurance. And so, Lenten pilgrims, people of Palm Sunday, let us join together in this prayer of confession. Let us pray. Lord, we confess that we suffer today because of sin, both the sins we have chosen and the sins committed against us. We have done things we should not have done, and we have neglected to do the things we should have done. Save us from ourselves. Save us from the forces of evil and injustice in this world. We do not have the power to undo what has already been done. So grant us grace to bear present burdens and courage to change things that can be changed. Teach us how to live as those prepared to die and dwell eternally with you through your Son and our Savior, Jesus Christ. In silence, let us offer our confessions to God. Hear these words of assurance. Jesus has indeed come to save us and show us the way to experience God's love. Jesus will strengthen us to the end so we may be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. Hear the good news. You are forgiven. And let all God's people say, Amen.